Good morning, Cedar Mill family. It is good to be with you here today, and we are excited that you're joining us for our online worship experience. If you're joining us for the first time or it's been a while since you've watched online, my name's Donnie. I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here, and I have the awesome privilege also of sharing God's word with you today. Um, we're going to be continuing and actually wrapping up our Good Shepherd series and today we're going to be looking at John 10, the parable of the Good Shepherd. Uh, but before we jump into that, let me just give a, a brief review of what we looked at over the last two weeks. We looked at Psalm 23, which is the Good Shepherd Psalm written by David, who was a shepherd king. And he writes this about God. In the first week, Pastor Ashley shared with us how this shepherd is a shepherd of peace, a shepherd of provision, who leads his sheep into green valleys, green pastures, and still waters, giving us peace and provision. Last week, pastors Bethany and Paul shared with us about our shepherd being present and protective in every circumstance that we deal with in life the difficult, the good, everywhere. He is with us, and it is His desire and His purpose and loving guidance to protect us as His sheep. Now, as we continue on with this series, I think it's important that we kind of get a, a clearer understanding from a first century Jewish person's perspective of what shepherd imagery really meant for those who are hearing this type of language. So as mentioned last week, um, the Richter shared a number of the illusions that are pictures of who God is. And in this shepherd analogy, when the Jewish listeners were hearing people speak about this, it was much more than just the vocation of being a shepherd. For Israelites, it was also about Israelites, Israel's spiritual leadership and their monarchical leadership. So why David is referred to as a shepherd king, actually a type of the shepherd king, Jesus, God himself, that is, a, he was a forerunner of that. So when this parable that we're going to look at today is shared, and the word shepherd is used in the parable of the good shepherd, there was a distinct understanding that the leaders and the people that were hearing Jesus speak understood when he said shepherd. And that was not just what we've been looking at the last week of this guiding presence in our lives, but really the shepherd king the messianic king of Israel who would come and rule over Israel in the way that they had been hoping for for centuries to guide them in the place of peace as we see in the 23rd Psalm, to lead in a protective nature as we see in the 23rd Psalm also. Um, but it's, I, I love John 10, which is where we're going to be because this is, it's Jesus speaking. 
And whenever Jesus speaks, I mean, we, we need to listen to the entire counsel of God, the entire scriptures. But when, when Jesus speaks, it, it's even more critical that we adjust our listening skills to a higher level because Jesus himself is the incarnate word, the incarnate God in flesh, revealing God to his people. So there's a, a weightier depth to his words when he speaks into the life of his people. So we're going to be in John 10 today, verses 1 through 21. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And I am going to read this, and then we will jump into what God has spoken to my heart, and I believe what he desires to speak to our hearts as a people of God. John 10, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in, they will come and go freely and will find good pastors. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me, just as my Father knows me and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again, for this is what my father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like this? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. 
Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the Word of God, family. And before we tackle this, let's pray. Daddy, I thank you that you are a God who is a good shepherd, who is the good shepherd, who provides peace, who protects, who is always present and speaks to us. Lord, as we look at your word today, pour out your spirit. Help us to hear what you desire for us to hear. Help us to see you more clearly so that we can love you more dearly and serve you more effectively. We ask this to your glory by the power of your spirit in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's important to understand the context of this story that Jesus tells. And keeping it in context really helps to get the point across what Jesus is saying here. And we can't read chapter 10 without reading chapter 9. Because chapter 10 is in direct response to an incident that happens in chapter 9. And what takes place in chapter 9 is that Jesus heals a blind man who is blind from birth. And he has an encounter with the Pharisees, well, the blind man does. And the blind man shares after Jesus has healed him and given him his sight back, which, not back, but first sight, Jesus instructs him to go to the Pharisees to show them the miracle. And the response that the Pharisees have towards this man are in direct opposition to the care and nurturing that Jesus showed to this man, a sheep of Israel. And uh, upon this interaction, Jesus then enters into this discourse about really the, the leadership, the spiritual leadership of Israel. And a couple other factors that he kind of touches on as he shares this story. But what he does is he sets the dichotomy between the false shepherds and the true shepherd. Because Jesus shows love, compassion, concern for this person who is a part of the nation of Israel. And what he does is he helps to restore this man to full health and leads him into relationship with the Messiah, the King of Israel, the true King of Israel. And rather than celebrating this, what did the Pharisees do? Well, they wind up just kind of raking the sky across the coals and ultimately kicking him out of the synagogue, disowning him from worship and citizenry with the people of Israel, the spiritual leaders do. And it's under this context that Jesus shares this parable, which it's nothing but an earthly story with kingdom, heaven's kingdom principles laced all through it. So what do we see that Jesus is addressing in this parable? 
in what we just read. I believe that Jesus is addressing three divine concerns. One, he's addressing Israel's spiritual leadership failure. Two, he's addressing the nature of true shepherd, Jesus' followers. And three, he's addressing who he truly is. So, what does Jesus say about Israel's spiritual leadership? Let's look at a couple of the verses here that speak to us what Jesus says about the spiritual leadership of Israel. Verse 1, the one who does not enter by the door is a thief and a robber. Verse 5, speaking of the sheep, they will not follow a stranger. Verse 8, all who come before me were thieves and robbers. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Verses 12 and 13, the hired hand who is not a shepherd, he flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Now we hear this story and you know, we hear thief, robber, strangers. It's a, a nice story, but really this is an indictment from Jesus to the spiritual leadership the priests, the Pharisees, the teachers of Israel. He calls them thieves and robbers. He calls them strangers. He says that their intent is only to kill and destroy. He calls them hired hands. And because they're hired hands, they have no concern for the sheep. Jesus paints a stark picture of Israel's leadership showing poor character, selfish, ill intent, and a lack of concern for the people of God. And really what happened previously that initiated this, this parable was proof of that. Rather than being concerned about this man who is blind from birth and his welfare, they ostracized him and they kicked him out of the fellowship of God. Where Jesus does the exact opposite. He seeks him out, he restores him, and allows him and encourages him to follow him as the true messianic king. A lot of scholars believe that um, when Jesus uses the words thief and robbers, which he does twice, which in this context, understand in Greek, when someone says something twice in close proximity to each other, that means that it is something that you need to pay attention to. It's very important. Two times, very close to each other in context, Jesus says that the shepherds, the spiritual leaders of Israel are thieves and robbers. Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I think about a thief and a robber, I, I don't think of someone with great character. I think of someone who is selfish and does nothing but 
seek his own interest. Now, the, the interesting thing uh, about Jesus using this terminology, thief and robbers, thieves actually steal from others things that are not their own, which is what the Pharisees were doing with the people of Israel. A robber is slightly different than a thief. He still takes what is not his from someone else, but he does it by force. So what Jesus is saying is that the spiritual leadership in Israel has failed the people of God because they are taking from the people of God and taking from God what is rightfully his and by force, by compulsion. I mean, we we see in, in chapter nine what the Pharisees do to this sheep of God. They strip him of his dignity. Because he was blind, they believed that he had sinned or his parents had sinned and that he was unworthy of their graces to be in fellowship. And Jesus does the exact opposite. Again, he seeks him out, restores him, and gives him community with with God. In Ezekiel 34 Ezekiel prophesies against Israel's leadership at the time. And God uses Ezekiel to speak to Israel's spiritual leadership to encourage them to think about their ways and change them to be more like what God desires them to be. And he basically tells the spiritual leadership of that time that they are going to be removed and that a new shepherd will come and lead them. Speaking of David, and as we know, David does eventually come, and he rules as a man after God's own heart, reflecting the heart of God and the person of Christ. Listen to some of the words that Ezekiel uses to describe Israel's leadership, which are reflective in these verses that we just read. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy saying to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not sheep herders take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally." These words that Jesus speaks echoes that prophecy of David, but even more so, they echo the prophecy of Jesus being the true good shepherd. And he uses the same language. Shepherds of Israel, spiritual leadership of Israel, This is who and what 
you have become. It's a condemning indictment. And I, I can tell you, family, um, preparing for this, um, it's a challenge. You have saw fit to allow me and, and a couple of other brothers to be spiritual leaders over this body. This is a, a dire warning for anyone in Christian leadership to understand um, the danger, the temptation to not lead rightly. And God is working on me to help me to be a more Christ-like leader. And I pray and I ask you to pray for me and all of our elders and anyone in leadership that we don't ever fall in, into this category where Jesus reprimands, calling us thieves, robbers, strangers, um, that only still kill and destroy. Because what they were doing was not allowing the people of God, the sheep of God, to thrive the way that God desired. And in that, Jesus speaks those words to condemn, indict, and I believe convict. So what does it say, this parable, about those who follow him? Because Jesus addresses the sheep also as he tells this story. Verses 3 through 5. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they recognize his voice. Speaking of the sheep, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. Verse 8. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. Verse 16. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. These verses speak, I believe, to the nature of those who follow the true shepherd king, the good shepherd. And what do we see in these verses? Well, I would say one, we see that the sheep recognize Jesus. Again, remember, this is in direct response to a blind man being healed. The blind man recognizes who Jesus is. And when Jesus reveals to him that he is the Messiah, what does he do? He follows him. What do the Pharisees do? They enter into an argument. 
and basically called Jesus demon-possessed. The sheep recognize who Jesus is. They see him for who he is, the Messiah, the anointed one, the reigning king, the God of the universe. It is apparent to them. They are able to see clearly through what he is doing and what he is saying that he is the promised one that the scriptures speak of coming and that in this time and context that the whole nation of Israel was waiting for. The blind man sees it, though he's blind, because his sight is restored. And he hears Jesus speaking. And we're told in chapter 9 that Jesus, when he speaks to him, asks him to follow him, the Messiah, the man of the Son of God. And he says, Who is he? And he says, I am he. And he follows. He follows. There's a, a difference between the way that shepherds lead in the Near East and the way Western shepherds shepherd. See, here in the, the, the West, we heard a shepherd will stand behind his sheep and use animals and different objects to move the sheep forward. But in this time, and, and even still in Israel, when shepherds guide their flocks, they go ahead of their sheep, and they use their voice to guide the sheep. As we learn through the 23rd Psalm, as um, Pastor Bethany shared with us, you know, that even, even today in Israel, when, when bombs are going off, sheep will look up, they will hear their shepherd's voice, and then just go back to eating in the midst of that danger. Why? Because they know their leader. They know their shepherd, and they know distinctly, intimately, his voice. They can hear it in the faintest of whispers. They can hear it amongst the loudest of environments. When their shepherd speaks, they respond. I got to experience this as a youth pastor a number of years ago. I had the privilege of leading a group of students to a mission trip in Arizona on a Indian reservation, Navajo Indian reservation. And on our second day, we, we went to a farm and it was actually a sheep farm. And our guide wanted to give us a, a, a topical lesson. So the sheep are out in this desert plain. And he's like, you guys, help me out here. Will you help me herd these sheep and get them over to this pen? So imagine 20 high school students and five adults running around chasing a bunch of sheep that we do not have a clue who they are or what they like. You know what happened? As soon as we started moving towards them, they ran in every direction. There's about 50 sheep. So here we are trying to gather all these sheep that are running all around the place. And about 15 minutes in, this 13-year-old boy comes running along. And all he does is he goes, hey-ho. And at that, every single one of those sheep that were running all around the place stopped, 
looked at that 13-year-old boy and ran right to him. And he led them to the pen and put them in and closed the gate. Those sheep knew their shepherd's voice and they responded to it. And they ran away from strangers who didn't know them, who really didn't care about them, were just trying to um, accomplish a task. But this kid cared for those sheep every day for three years. He started caring for them when he was 10 years old. And they got to know each other. Sheep hear the voice of their master. They don't listen to the voice of a stranger. And when a stranger comes and tries to entice them to do something that they know that they should not do, you know what a sheep does? What Jesus says, they run away. This is the nature, the the character of a true Jesus follower. We follow one voice, Jesus. Through his spirit, through his word, through his people. Everyone else, we turn, tune out, and we run away from. We learn to discern our master's voice and hone in on it so that when danger comes, we know where to go because he's going to speak to us to give us guidance and direction as the protective guiding shepherd that he is. What does Jesus say about himself? Really, this whole parable speaks about who Jesus is. When you hear I am in this parable, understand it as God, the covenantal, loving, present God. Because the I am statements that Jesus gives, that is what he is saying in every one. And in chapter 9, he starts with an I am statement, I am the light of the world, which his light gives sight to a blind man. Don't miss that. In his other I am statements, Let's look at what he says about himself. Verses 2 through 4, 11, 14, and 16. He says, I am the good shepherd. Verses 3 through 4, he leads his sheep. Verses 1 through 3, 7, 9, 11. I am the door, or I am the gate. Verses 9 through 10, he gives life abundantly. 
verses 11, 14, 15, 17, and 18. He lays down his life for his sheep. 14 through 18, he has authority of salvation. This is the picture of God. And again, it has echoes of Ezekiel 34, when after Ezekiel tells the shepherds of Israel of their, of their failures, he speaks to them about what God says. And listen to this. This is what he says. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 11, he says this. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pastor them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. This is Ezekiel prophesying about the coming of David, but it's ultimately prophesying about what God will do in Jesus. He himself, God himself, will come and be this shepherd, this king who guides, provides, and unites his people under his loving, guiding, protective hand. And these are the words that Jesus speaks. And he goes one step further. He lays down his life Unlike the hired hands who run off at trouble, Jesus, he gives up his own life for the welfare and benefit of his sheep. And, and this is ultimately talking about his death. His being the substitutionary death in our place so that we can be in relationship with God because he loves us that much, that he's willing to take on our sin, lay down his life, take our death, and give us what we don't deserve. To be in, in this loving, caring, protective relationship that gives us far more than we could ever imagine. That is the good shepherd. That is who Jesus is saying that he is. The Pharisees, when they heard this, when he was saying, I am the gate, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, they understood fully what he was saying. 
And if we were to read down through the rest of the chapter, we would see that this caused him to pick up stones to try to stone him. And he would say, is it because of the works that I do? Because healing the blind man was a sign of the presence of the Messiah, the true shepherd king of Israel. And they said, no, because you make yourself out to be God, who he is, which he is. And it caused a division that he would have the power to save lives. This is the God that we serve. A God who has the power to save lives and has chosen to save it by giving his own life. I don't know where you stand today, but my hope in my prayer is that you will begin to pay heed to the voice of the true shepherd king, the only one that will lay his life down. Because here's the reality. I'm an under-shepherd. I love you, Cedar Mill family. I, I love you dearly. But I have to be real with you. I, I don't know if I have what it takes to lay, to literally give up my life to end my life for you. I'll do a whole lot. I, I, believe me, I will do a whole lot, but I, I just don't, I don't think I can. I mean, I know I'd give my life literally for my kids, for my wife, but I, my sister, my, my parents, maybe a cousin or two, yeah. I, I don't think I could. It'd be hard. But it wasn't for Jesus. He implicitly, emphatically, number of times, again, when in Scripture you see something repeated in close proximity, it is very important. And he says repeatedly in close proximity, I lay my life down for my sheep for you who he knows by name intimately deeply so what what does all this mean for us really because i I laid out you know the uh, the whole lot of stuff here but how does this really affect or impact what we do and and how we live our lives i'm just going to give you three things to consider and think about. And, and I hope that you will. I hope that you'll be challenged, encouraged, and inspired the way that I was in preparation for this. And the first thing is this. Concerning spiritual leadership, be aware of the Jesus reflection or lack thereof in those who are in spiritual leadership in this church, all, all across Christendom. Because here's the reality. Jesus isn't ripping every spiritual leader. There are good spiritual leaders out there who love Jesus intimately, who listen to his voice and seek after what he seeks after. But be aware of that. 
And if you see any of these characteristics that Jesus condemns and indicts, call it out in love. It's what we're called to do as brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage each other, to spurn each other on in love towards the good works that he's called us to. We are better together and we share in love when we see failings in love, we are able to grow closer to each other and to become more like our God. The second thing I would say is just be intentional about consistently growing in your affection and relationship with Jesus. That's the only way that you're going to get to know his voice more clearly, spending time with him, being in the word, reading the Bible, praying, listening to his voice as he speaks through his Holy Spirit, and and being in fellowship with others who are pursuing desperately and hard and earnestly after Jesus the same way that you are. Because he speaks to us through each other also. And then the last thing I would say is just be ever mindful in every moment of every day, of every circumstance, of his sovereign, loving rule and care for your life, for our lives. Because he's the shepherd king, the sacrificial shepherd king who lays down his life for his sheep so that we can have life abundantly. That's his desire for us, to be with him and to have life abundantly. Going in rich green pastures, smooth flowing still waters, and getting receiving everything that we need to thrive in life. And the only way, way that we do that is following the shepherd king who gave his life for us and calls us his own. My hope and my prayer through this is that your faith becomes ice. Inspired, challenged, and encouraged. Because when that happens, family, we become more like Jesus and we become more effective at making him known. And that is what his sheep do. Love him, become like him, and make him known to others so that we can be one flock with one shepherd. Pray with me. Daddy, I thank you that you are the good shepherd and that in spite the failings of men, you work for your glory and you call your sheep to yourself. Lord, if there is anyone who has not yet heard your voice, I I pray desperately that the Spirit would move in their hearts. And just as you open the eyes of the blind man, that you will open the ears of the deaf who are unable to hear, and they will hear you speaking to them personally because you know them by name. 
and they would receive that gift of the death and the resurrection and the restoration and reconciliation offered in the shepherd king, Jesus himself. And that we as a people would just lean into you and would not be distracted by any of the voices that are clamoring to try to take your space and position in our lives. And that we would only hear you and go where you lead. Help us to hear and follow so that you are glorified and your will is done in and through us to your glory. I ask this by the power of your spirit in the precious and holy name of the shepherd king, your son, our Lord and savior, Jesus. Amen.